I think we're in great shape. We have a good plan going forward, and uh, we've learned a lot this summer. We've had some time to think about it, you know, um, since March, and I think we're well-versed, and I think we have a good plan going forward for this coming season. Welcome to the storm. I'm your host, Stuart Winchester. Welcome to part two of our two-part Sugarloaf podcast. If you want to get more podcasts and all the other content that comes out of the storm as soon as it's live, subscribe to the free storm skiing newsletter at skiing.substack.com. The storm skiing podcast is brought to you in part by Mountain Gazette. Founded in 1966, Mountain Gazette is a biannual, large format print title celebrating mountain culture. Head over to mountaingazette.com and enter code East Coast, one word, for 10% off your entire order. And yes, that includes annual subscriptions in addition to their vintage magazine covers that make great art for your home office or living room. The Mountain Gazette returns in November in print form for the first time in eight years. These issues will sell out. Grab your subscription today over at mountaingazette.com. Mountain Gazette, when in doubt, go higher. Episode 24, Carl Strand, President and General Manager of Sugarloaf, Maine, Part 2, After the Shutdown. So here it is, my second conversation with the General Manager of Sugarloaf, Carl Strand. If you haven't listened to Part 1 yet, don't worry about it too much. But go back and listen when you can, because that's where we really get into Sugarloaf 2030. That conversation happened back in March, but I did not release it until September, just because of the way the world was going at the time. But we got through it. And before I put out that first episode, I wanted to reconnect with Carl to talk about the shutdown and how the mountain was planning for the coming ski season. They spent all summer planning out every detail of how they're going to operate in a safe way. And while their plans aren't quite finalized yet, we're getting close enough that they can talk about it. Let's get right into it. My guest today returns to the storm after a very interesting off-season. He is the president and general manager of Sugarloaf, Maine, and the president of Ski, Maine. Carl Strand is my guest. Carl, thank you so much for joining us for a second time. Thank you for having me back. So how are you doing, Carl? It's been a hell of a six months. Oh, we're doing well. Um, staff is doing great. Um, you know, we're we're working through this, and uh, hopefully, there's a there's an end in sight, and we can get back to some sort of normality. At least that's what we're thinking or hoping. So, you and I last spoke on Wednesday, March 11th. Which, for anyone listening, uh, if you haven't listened to that conversation, that's already out. You should listen to that one before this one. Uh, but that date, Carl, Wednesday, March 11th, it seems unbelievable when you look back on it, right? It's like the following day, Berkshire Easton Catamount in Massachusetts became the first ski areas in the U.S. to shut down specifically to help stop the spread of COVID-19. Uh, J.P. and Burke up in Vermont closed the following day. The next day after that, on Saturday, Vail, Altera closed, Killington closed. Uh, Sunday River Sugarloaf Loon closed on Sunday. And at that point, somewhere in there, I emailed you and I said, hey, Carl, I think maybe we should hold off on this thing for a while. Um, and and you agreed this was not the time that anyone was thinking about skiing. I mean, it all just escalated so quickly. And I think we were all in shock that the season was over. Um, I think we were right to hold off. But I did want to revisit the whole thing with you, starting with the shutdown. Take us back to that weekend, Carl. What was the atmosphere like up at Sugarloaf? 
Sure. I mean, we were we were busy. We were having a great year. Uh, we were pacing to be one of our best years ever. Um, resort was full. It was one of our Canadian weekends uh, weeks, so a lot of Canadians here. We actually had a bunch of ski racing going on. So there was a lot of activity, uh, a lot of positive vibes. Um, it, it was it was a great atmosphere. So is that why you waited to all the, all that activity? Did that contribute to your decision to wait until Sunday to shut down rather than closing down on Saturday, like a lot of the other larger mountains did in New England? Well, we were we were working, you know, collectively buying a you know a different resort, especially the the three out east. So we were discussing it back and forth and uh, trying to figure out what the right timing was. So as you know, things escalated and other resorts were closing. We just we made that final decision on Sunday, uh, which made sense for us. Um, you know, there were concerns in the community, uh, concerns with the guests, and uh, even our staff was concerned. So it, it just made sense for us to pick that day. So while everyone else is out on the slopes, partying, doing races, having fun, were you just on the phone the whole time, just talking to your colleagues, talking to your partners around the country, around Maine, just trying to figure out what to do? Absolutely. Trying to figure out the right timing, the right messaging. Uh, it was very chaotic internally. Um, we tried to present a great face outside, you know, to our skiers and people that were here at the resort. But internally, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of decisions going on and a lot of conversations. Meanwhile, you were taking some precautions. What were you doing in that initial phase to just try to help stop the spread? Well, we, we had like a week prior, maybe even further than that, we already started some social distancing practices. We were separating uh, in our base lodges, our chairs and tables. We were asking our employees to start wearing masks. And um, we were eliminating uh, some of our APRE um, events to how many people were there. We elim- we uh, actually canceled a bunch of them, too. So trying not to have events or, or, or any kind of situation where there was large amount of people congregating in one space. And at what point did you realize that just wasn't going to be enough and you were going to have to shut down? Yeah, I think it just came from what was going on in the industry and the world and concerns again from our staff and, and some of our guests. I was getting a lot of emails and and um, in talking collectively with Boyne and the other Eastern resorts. We just decided it was in the best interest of everybody to shut down. Did the state have any say in it? Were you, do you talk to any local officials or the, or the governor or anyone, or, or did they have other things going on? Not at that point. They, you know, they were just reacting as well. So it was more just an industry decision and a, and a resort decision to shut down. Was there one thing, Carl, that kind of pushed it over, or, or was it just the accumulation of evidence and the way the industry was going that you're just like, you know what, we just have to take a pause? I think it was just safety concerns that I was hearing you know, from our, some of our staff. Um, they were concerned about, you know, being too close to people and social distancing. We did have a number of um, staff members because uh, schools were shutting down were concerned because they had to stay home with their with their children and, and a number of other things, people leaving work. Um, and those all were contributing factors. And were schools shutting down up there in Maine? They were, yeah. So as the other mountains closed, as I mentioned, most of the large ski resorts in New England closed the day before on Saturday. New Hampshire, a lot of them stayed open uh, well into the following week. But as they started to shut down, did you see an influx of people coming up to Sugarloaf? Or is it just kind of too far for that really to be a factor? No, I don't think we saw that. I think we just had people that were already here. I don't think they reacted quick enough to that. Um, I, You know, we did have 
after the fact, we had a lot of communications with people wondering if we were going to reopen or not or why we closed. But we also had a lot of communications from res local residents that were very happy we did that because it was just the concern not knowing this new, you know, disease and how quickly it spread and people were just would rather side on the on the um, precautional side than try to risk it in any way. Yeah, it's a good point, Carl. You know, Maine really never had a bad outbreak, and there's really been only 140 documented COVID deaths as of today, September 24th. Uh, Franklin County, where you're located, has only had 60 cases in the entire COVID pandemic. Um, still, the mountain is a destination, and people come there from all over the Northeast. And at the time, in March, it seems amazing now because it's so calm here, but in March, this was the epicenter. And especially down here in New York City, over 20,000 people died in the course of a few months. Um, and it was the fact that this was getting out of control in these areas like New York City, where people can easily drive up to you, was that really more of the concern of bringing that into the community? Yeah, I think just the spread of it. People were concerned because it was a, a new virus that no one really had any kind of history on it or what how it would affect people. And some of those original models had you know, a lot more uh, people being affected. And so I think it was all those concerns put together that um, ultimately drove us to decide to close down the resort. So you closed down. And as I remember it, it was, it was kind of an indefinite pause. It wasn't like we're done for the season. So there was that mystery up in the air, right? Like, will they reopen? And I was seeing these pictures pop up on social media and you had an awesome snowpack. I mean, we didn't have a great winter, but but you must have buried it with snowmaking. You got hit at the right time or something because it was buried up there. And there was a lot of hope that Sugarloaf would make it happen and reopen. Uh, was that ever a possibility? Well, we, we considered it, you know, we were watching it. Uh, we didn't know how quickly this pandemic would either, you know, maybe it would resolve itself somehow. We had no idea. So we did look at that. We actually, April was one of our snooze Aprils we ever had. We had probably, we could have skied right into mid-May or even longer. So I always was looking out my window and seeing all that snow. <laughs> it was kind of discouraging. But I still think we, you know, we did the right thing. Um, there were a lot of people still wanting to skin. Um, mm -hmm. and they were, you know, grouping together and we had, I had a bunch of emails about that too. So we eventually we had to prohibit skinning and, um, and, and just, we had to close down all our parking lots too. So, you know, it, it was tough because the skiing would look great. Um, it was, it kept coming and, uh, it was, it was a tough decision, but I think just the way that the, um, the COVID kept growing and uh, concerns, you know, um, you know, company company wide, but also just in the nation, we decided to stay closed. And was there a date when you made the final call and said, "Nope, not reopening"? Yeah, we well, our uh, our big, we have a big reggae fest uh, every April, about the, sec the second weekend in April. And when we decided to cancel that, which was towards the end of March, that's when we really thought that, you know, we're not going to reopen. It just wouldn't make sense. Um, so that was about that timing where we decided we weren't going to reopen. Was that your call alone or did the state have some say in whether or not you'd be allowed to reopen? Uh, well, we didn't approach the state on that. It was more of our call and Boeing, you know, collectively discussing it. Um, it was, yeah, mostly it was our call internally. And did Boyne have a strong opinion on it, or did they kind of leave that to you? 
No, the, no, we talk collectively on all those things. So, you know, Steve Kircher is very passionate about um, the president. He's very passionate about skiing, and he thought if there was an opportunity for one of our resorts to open up, he was, you know, um, we were look at that, but we ultimately decided that we weren't going to do that. And, and what was the reason that you decided it just wouldn't work? I think it's just all the safety concerns. Um, you know, like I was saying, we had a bunch of letters from local residents and so forth concerned about people coming up here. And on the flip side, I had a lot of letters from people asking if we would reopen. You may have been one of them. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, we had a way to all that out, but ultimately we thought it just made more sense to stay closed. Yeah, no, I, I definitely probably did email at one point just to see as a curiosity thing. I, I was not, I, I got to be honest, like March, April, May, I was not leaving the city limits. I, I didn't want to take whatever was here out of the city with me. Um, and, and obviously that's calmed down a lot here and, and this is a pretty safe place to be right now, but, but no, I, I wasn't, uh, wasn't planning on getting anywhere near it, not because of um, a fear of what I would find there, but a fear of what I would bring there. So um, I'm um, joking with you a little bit. I know you like your clay <laughs> skiing, and the powder here was pretty good then. I do, I do. I miss it. It's 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 starting to seem so abstract at this point. It's like, you know, I'm writing about skiing all summer, and and it's been six months since I was actually out there. I snuck in one last day at Mound Creek, uh, but I am raring to go. I'm sure you are too. Yeah, this time of year, I'm always ready to go. So have you have you had anything up there, a dusting or a frost or? Yeah, we've had last week. It was pretty cold, so we had a bunch of frost and um, probably I know Sunday River does their annual um, snow making test. They did that last week, and and you know we we normally we wait to do that for our uh, homecoming weekend, which is Columbus Day. We usually do that, but yeah, the weather's been um, turning chillier. That's for sure. Nice. Well, it was a long time between that spring shutdown and now, and you did open for summer operations. So when did you do that and how did it go? We did. We um, we followed the CDC guidelines, made CDC guidelines. We were able to open our golf course in mid-June, which was about three weeks later than we normally do. And then we opened up our hotel about two weeks later in our retail stores. And they've been doing really well. The golf and the retail has been doing well. Um, hotel... Um, you know, because we couldn't do uh, a lot of our weddings and uh, conferences, hasn't done it as well. But uh, there's there's a big appetite here for people to be outside and um, golf and mountain bike. We have a great mountain bike trails around here, and then hiking, and uh, and a lot of people have uh, used their winter homes as summer homes and working remotely. And we've seen an uptick in our in our golf um, tee times after like three or four o'clock in the afternoon, which we never used to have that. So all that's been really well received. And did you open up your mountain biking? We did. Yep. Yep. We did open that up too. About the same time. And, and any issues with COVID? Any cases traced back to the resort? We had one originally when we just before we closed down. There was a bride that was up here because she was going to get married this summer, and uh, she actually made the uh, she was on the uh, uh, news here, the local news, because she was one of the first uh, cases. But we we called the CDC and then we went through the tracing, and she really hadn't really um, met with anybody. And then and the fact that we had closed down, they said we were we were good to go. So that was the only one that we really uh, has affected us so far this summer. Oh, she did have COVID? She did, yep. She was staying in her parents' condo, so she didn't really get out and about around the resort. Okay, and did did that case turn out okay? 
Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was fine. She uh, she recovered from it, and they did a new segment on her. So, uh, yeah, she got a little notoriety. Well, glad to hear she's fine, and, and glad to hear it didn't spread around the resort. Uh, I'd imagine you learned a lot this summer, Carl, having to rethink everything. Uh, anything you learned from summer in particular that you are going to apply to your winter operations? Yeah, well, we were able to open up, you know, our F&B outlets, our hotel, our golf, and our retail. So we used going through the CDC guidelines that, that Maine had put together, and we uh, so we've been doing that now for a number of months. Um, also, with our employees, we have uh, daily health checks that they go through. So we've been able to incorporate all those things, and I think that's getting us ready for the winter season. The only thing that you know that we're still looking at is you know the operationals on the mountain, and we we've been working with uh, NSAA, the National Ski Areas Association. Actually, Stephen Kircher, President Boyne, has been very active in leading that, and we they put together a ski well, be well document that they put out. They also have an internal document that they have used using best practices with a bunch of committees. I think they have calls every week. And then uh, our, our corporate uh, Boyne has also put together uh, protocols for each specific department. So I think we're in great shape. We have a good plan going forward, and uh, we've learned a lot this summer. We've had some time to think about it, you know, um, since March, and I think we're well-versed, and I think we have a good plan going forward for this coming season. Sounds like you're ready to rock and roll. Uh, what's the opening day for skiing? Well, typically it's the Friday right before Thanksgiving. And uh, normally we can hit that fairly easy. So, you know, it's always about the snow and the weather. You know that. Um, but I think that's going to be our target date again. And for Sugarloaf, do you target a top-to-bottom open? We do, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we don't just open on one trail or whatever. We try to get at least a, the super quad and, and a couple of trails off of that all the way down to the bottom. So, it's been a long off season, Carl. Was there ever a question of whether skiing would happen this winter at Sugar Sugarloaf, um, or or has the mindset since the shutdown been okay? We lost the tail end of the season. That was a bummer, but we are going to find a way to make this happen. I think that that's what we've been thinking. We lost it. You know, we're going to make this happen. We're going to do it safely, but um, you know, just. Social distancing and skiing go hand in hand. I mean, if you have skis on, you're six feet away from the other person. And most people don't ski six feet uh, next to each other either. I mean, there's a couple of pinch points that we're looking at, loading lifts. And, you know, we talked about um, shuttles and stuff like that. So we've adopted some protocols for that to make sure that we have social distancing in place. But other than that, I think it's, a, it's sort of like what golf is in the, in the summertime. I think we're set up to have people come up here and enjoy the mountain and do it safely. So, so give us your highest level overview, Carl, of how you're approaching this season in a, a different way from an operational standpoint to make guests and your workers feel safe when they come up to ski. Well, a lot of it has to do with the protocols in place, and then we have to communicate what we're doing really well to the public, um, to the community, and also, you know, with our employees. And I think we, we have most of that in place, and we're, we're going to be rolling that out fairly soon. Um, but, it, again, it's the pinch points. It's the in, interior, base lodge, restaurants, and so forth, where we have to work within the CDC guidelines and try to keep that as safe as possible. I think we have a good plan in place for that. 
Um, some of our menus that we're looking at at restaurants are going to be to go, you know, a lot of it to go, so people can utilize their condos and their hotel rooms as dining rooms. Um, maybe even some tailgating, you know, we have some of that. But um, all in all, I think out on the slope, uh, we have a good plan in place where we can accommodate, you know, as many people as want to come up here and enjoy Sugarloaf. Are you going to have capacity limits on your lodges? Well, right now there there are. The CDC has some uh, capacity uh, limits, and uh, it's 50 people per room. But they were using that number mostly in the summertime because uh, a lot of the establishments of uh, restaurants could have outdoor dining. But we've been talking to them actually through uh, – Ski Maine and also uh, just directly with and, and talk and they they're aware of that you know in the winter you can't have outdoor dining so they're really looking at some of those uh, protocols or or um, you know requirements and uh, I think there's going to be some announcements coming up in the next two weeks or so. Are you doing any kind of patio stuff? A lot of ski areas are putting out heat lamps, or, or is it just? too brutal up there in northern Maine. no no we, we're looking at we're looking at some sprung structures we're also um, looking at getting some uh, bathroom facilities that we can have outside so you can just access them directly you don't have to go through the uh the base lodge we're, we're trying to accommodate that as much as possible a lot of mountains are encouraging skiers to boot up in the car is sure love doing the same yeah, we're going to suggest that. Um, you know, we there's limitations, you know, in, in the base lodge, so it will be hard to accommodate everybody the way we used to do it. So we're going to ask, you know, our guests to, uh, you know, modify what they normally do, uh, at least for this season, so we can all stay safe. Is it – are you asking them to or are you making them? Because some – Killington, for example, said we will not allow boot bags in our base lodges. Uh, or do you not need to take it that far? Well, we're we're discussing all that. Uh, we're going to have a decision pretty soon on that. I think, you know, what Killington did, you know, uh, COVID could be spread through bags as well. So there's a concern there. And we're working through with our, at least our staff here, to figure out what the best uh, method is to try to make it as safe as possible. So looking at chairlifts, uh, a lot of different standards for chairlifts going around. Some resorts are sorting guests and saying you can't ride with unrelated parties unless it's at least a four passenger lift. Uh, others are allowing guests to self sort. How much have you thought about who will be able to ride lifts with whom and, and how you'll sort that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, well, I keep referring back to it, but the NSA guidelines, they've, um, so we're, we're looking at having uh, what we call ghost lines. So the social distancing between the two uh, lines, cues for, for, for uh, entering a chairlift. And then if you're, if you're comfortable with the people that you are with, maybe you're staying in the condo or you drove up together and you're okay riding the lift together, we're going to encourage that. Uh, if people aren't, then we'll allow them to ride by themselves. Um, the good news is that up here, you know, everybody Everybody will have a mask on and, and gloves, so there's a, that part of uh, this winter. I know you alluded to that a little bit. Of, it's a little chilly up here sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> you know, th those are already in place. So it's not something new that we're asking them to do. Um, more just trying to, in the pinch points, which is the line, and then asking people not to congregate on the slopes and so forth is what we're really going to be uh, trying to encourage. So if you, if you have a single, say, in the super quad line, and they get up to the lifty and they say, hey, I want to ride by myself. Is that how it will work or, 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 or are the lift, lift ops more active than that or have you not really thought about it? Yeah, we're, 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 we're leaning that, you know, if somebody really wants to do that, we'll do that. We do that now. There's some people who just don't want to ride with each other. And uh, midweek, we, you know, we have capacity to do that too. 
I mean, our uphill capacity is 21,000 people per hour. So we have a lot of capacity to, uh, you know, yeah. be able to manipulate that and, uh, and accommodate everybody. So as far as skier density on the mountain goes, I don't know how much you've thought about this. Uh, will there be a reservation system? We, we currently aren't going to have a reservation system. We think that our plan that we have right now is, is, a, is will promote safety and people can social distance properly. So we don't really feel like we need one. But, uh, you know, we'll always we'll look and see, you know, as, as the uh, season progresses. But right now, no, we don't think we're not going to have a reservation system. Are you still allowing walk-up lift ticket sales? Um, yes, but there'll be outdoor windows, um, and we'll have social distancing lines. And then with the uh, we're we're going to have RFID ticketing this year, so people will be allowed to uh, purchase online. And then we have these um, outside. There's these uh, little um, they're called puds, little booths where you can load up your ticket or pay for it too. So you, you can do that outside and do social distance at the same time. Nice. Yeah. The, the RFID couldn't have come along at a better time. And just completely coincidentally, you had already planned to put these gates up. Are those in place? Are they working? They are in place. Yep. And they are working. Um, uh, you're right. It's a great timing, but it's also something that we, you know, been looking at for a number of years now. So, um, very fortunate that we we're able to get it going and, and up and in place. So, Altera did release a reservation system for select Icon Pass destinations. Among them, your sister resort Loon over in New Hampshire, which is a very busy mountain um, and much smaller than Sugarloaf. So, uh, take us into your thinking here. I. I understand that Boyne left this decision to local management, but uh, what went into your thinking of whether or not to require Icon Pass holders to make a reservation to Ski Sugarloaf? Well, we're still discussing it. We haven't made that final decision yet, hmm. but um, it, you know, the other, the other thing that we really haven't gotten from the state yet is their, their final CDC guidelines for outside where we've presented them um, our plan in the NSA plan, and, and we walked them through it, but we haven't gotten the definitive back from them on what they're thinking in terms of outside. So we're st that's still a little bit up in the air, what we're going to do. Um, so that will be a factor in some of those other decisions that we make. Are, are you hopeful that you'll get that decision before the start of the ski season? Oh, yeah, I think it's going to come in the next week or two. We had a, oh, we met with the state last week and, and presented our case, and fortunately the commissioner there, uh, they're all skiers, and so they understood the dynamics. And um, So I think it went over fairly well, but you, you never know. So, uh, But we're, yeah. we're very hopeful. So you stopped selling New England passes for a time in June or July and then came back with the main pass. So the New England pass is not going on sale again this year take us into your thought process though of working with sunday river to launch the main pass which is good at both of your resorts well i i think um it was it was a collective decision um right until yesterday it was um you still if you're a, a massachusetts resident you needed to quarantine or to have a negative test to enter maine um, and that played in some of the factor into some of these products that we put in. Uh, fortunately, you know, the governor and uh, her staff are now allowing Massachusetts people to come in, which is great. I know it's a tough decision. They've been working really hard. They had, you know, there's a lot on their plate, but uh, I think that's really going to help the two main resorts. So we had made that decision prior to that, but uh, I think it's still going to be, 
it's it's could be beneficial. And then way back in the day before Loon was part of um, us, we used, used we used to have a main pass. So it's up it's something that you know we're going back to the future kind of a little bit with that, uh, at least for one year. Is Massachusetts a pretty big market for you? It is a big market for us. Uh, it's a you know bigger market probably for Sunday River than us, but uh, it's still a big market. Um, I think it's they say uh, for the um, tourism revenue in Maine, I think it's like sixty or sixty-five percent of it comes from Massachusetts. So effectively, yeah. with not allowing them there, Maine only had really one border open, it was New Hampshire, because we're not sure what's going to happen with Canada. So uh, I think it's a great decision by by the governor and her staff to be to allowing um, Maine or Mass residents to come here now. So it looks like the main pass is on sale through October 12th. I've heard rumors that it may go off sale after that. Have you made that decision yet? We have not. Um, it's been it's been selling fairly well. So we just kind of look at the sales and how it's pacing, and then you know still um, you know what we're gonna what the what the government may come in on some if if at all any kind of restrictions. So we'll use all those factors to kind of figure out what we're gonna do with passes. And do you plan to limit the number of people on the mountain per day? No, no. Um, again, I think our plan in place will uh, allow us to have as many people as we can um, that want to come. Um, and and we're also the plan is, you know, I think it's a great plan to allow for social distancing so everybody feels safe and is safe. How has the reaction been to the main pass? Are people bummed that the New England pass is gone or, or have they been uh, pretty in line with that? a mixed reaction, you know. I think, but I think people understand, you know, one thing that COVID's done this year is just people rethink, you know, what, how we've done things in the past and that um, they're all, everybody's pretty much on the same page of, you know, trying to beat this virus. So they're um, working with us and and um, trying to put together, you know, products and protocols and so forth that will allow everybody to come and be safe. How about rentals, Carl? Are, are you thinking of any changes to the rental sheds to reduce density in there or some some resorts i've heard might move those outside or require reservations anything new there yep we are looking at that reservations and maybe picking up outside and some other some other means of social distancing we're working on that right now and absolutely i mean every department we're looking at in those terms and and the the more we look at it, the more we think you know this is probably the best practice that we can do in these circumstances, but also we might utilize some of these things down the road, too, just um, to try to, uh, you know, for guest service, too, to get people in and out quicker. And, and um, so, I, you know, like you were asking earlier with things we've learned, with some of the things that we're learning now is some maybe some procedures that will help us in the future as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think that you get in a habit of doing something a certain way, right? And you just keep doing it that way. And you don't really think about it sometimes until you have to. And, and I, I think that's not just the ski industry that's guilty of that. I think all of us in our everyday lives. And I, and I think one thing that COVID has proven is that there's other ways to do everything, right? Like I haven't been into my office in six months, but I've still been doing my job <laughs> as much as I ever have. And, and there's a new way. So as you've kind of been taking this thing down to the studs and rethinking the whole way you operate, I imagine you, you're learning a lot. Like, do you know, do you have a sense in particular of some of the things that might stick beyond COVID or, or are you just saying in general? You know, I think just it, in general, I mean, we'll see how all this, you know, once we get open, how it all plays out. I'm sure we'll have to, you know, adjust where needed. 
but um, you know, there's a lot of planning going on. You know, planning for the unknown, and and, um, and that's that's a good process because that's basically what you were just saying. You know, that you're relooking at or rethinking a lot of things you've done in the past, and then you know, sometimes the the light bulb you know turns on and say, well, I like we should do it this way, and you know, we'll find out. We'll see if it if it you know it, if these work, and we'll make adjustments when we have some challenges. Yeah, it, it's the silver lining for me in this whole thing, Carl, is I, I just keep thinking, you know, maybe this is a way to fix some of the things about the resort skiing experience that weren't so great before. Um, you know, rent, rental sheds being one of those that, that I always dreaded if I ever have to go to them. I get my kids season rentals just so I don't have to deal with the, the you know, going in and, you know, sizing up next to 100 other people. Um, how about lessons? Is, is ski school going to happen in the same way that it normally does? Well, we are going to encourage uh, or, or ask people to meet outside. So they want to be meeting. Typically, we meet. They meet inside in the space that's designed for for ski lessons. But we're going to encourage them to meet outside. So, you know, again, social distancing um, and um, you know, and limit the amount of people that we have in in the base lodge, and because we have you know we have those restrictions right now. So we've redesigned a number of those things to still. Hopefully have, you know, the same amount of volume and so forth, but just, uh, and, and meet in different areas and, you know, observe social distancing rules. So you think you're still going to be able to do all the group lesson programs that you typically do, not only the season long programs, but just those programs for people who come up for a weekend or a week? We're planning on it, so we'll see. You know, we'll make adjustments if it doesn't work, um, but we're planning on it right now. We're, we're trying to plan on as normal a season as possible. Um, following, you know, the guidelines that we have and the, the social distancing protocols that we put in place. Does that mean your race programs are happening? Yeah, yeah, currently, yep. Carabasset Academy, they're all green light? Yep, they're back in session already. Um, we're working with them as well. And uh, they're putting in, you know, their protocols and plans. And then our, our race... Uh, Department is also working, you know, with the different events and races, and we have a couple already planned and booked. So, you know, as long as everything works out fine, we're we're moving in that direction. You mentioned parking lot shuttles. Are you just thinking lower capacity on those, or do they tend to run kind of half full anyway? Yeah, state right now uh, requires only fifty uh, percent capacity. So what we're doing is we're uh, we're upping them out of of uh, shuttles that we have. We're also looking at different areas for drop-off and pick-up so we're not have large amount of people waiting to get on a shuttle and getting off it. We're trying, we're figuring that out too. And then we're also looking at some of our um, trails near our condos and so forth to make snow there a little earlier so that we can mm -hmm. ease some of the pressure on the shuttles. Nice. Yeah. In the last, last conversation we had, we talked about some of the new parking lots you're going to have and how you'll be able to ski right away from your car. But you wish you had some of those things plowed out right now. Yeah, that'd be great. That's part of that West Mountain expansion that we're working on. Yeah. Um, you can, yeah, right from your car, you can just RFID ticket, you can ski down and then ski right back. And yeah, that will really ease our, our transportation challenges that we currently have. Amazing. Uh, you were We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you were saying that properties just booked up and, and anything that's for sale or, or nothing is for sale and anything that does go on the market gets bought up right away. Um, but as far as your hotels, your condos that you rent out, any changes to those as far as I've seen a lot of where there has to be a certain number of nights in between uh, when, when one party's in there or 
extended cleaning, any, any of that kind of stuff that you're doing? Yeah, that's already currently in place. Yeah, it's one night. Um, it's part of the it's the guidelines that the that the uh, that the state has put together. So we've been um, using those guidelines all summer, and I think we're uh, you know our teams are, are are versed on them now, and I think they've uh, they've done a really good job with it. So uh, we could just continue that right into the winter. Curious about staffing. Do you use the J-1 visa program? Because that program is currently on hold. So is that a program you typically rely on? And if so, how are you filling in that those holes? Fortunately, we don't have to rely on that. We um, we we uh, we actually have all our stonemakers are already coming are already signed up. So we're fortunate in that respect that um, we haven't had a lot of issues with uh, employees returning. Uh, our retention is really high. Our biggest challenge is just housing because uh, with all the internet and you know uh, and, you know being able to rent through the internet, um, a lot of our old uh, employee housing has become uh, rental units now. So that's a little bit of a challenge. But fortunately, we work with Western Mountain Maine, which is our our uh, part of our shuttle service, and they go to some of our neighboring towns uh, on a regular you know every day, and so employees were able to get uh, housing there and then be able to commute to Sugarloaf. And do you have to do get any modifications to that employee housing to accommodate social distancing or shut down common areas? Yeah, we're working on that as well. So, Carl, what is the plan if there's a COVID outbreak traced back to Sugarloaf? Well, we we would work with the CDC. Um, they have a, a they have a, a, a hotline that you call, and they go through um, you know all the tracing um, procedures, and then we would if we needed to. There's a, we would have our employees were if they were infected, we'd have them go and get uh, tested, and they wouldn't work for that whatever period of time until they get their results back. Um, if it's a larger scale thing, we'll deal with that as well. But that that's already in place, and we've been um, working with um, you know the CDC, at least our HR department has to to have all those protocols. So we're we're ready to go for the season. Well, it sounds like you've been pedaling the metal for the last several months getting this thing together. Um, I know the industry as a whole has learned a lot, as you mentioned. Uh, you alluded to that NSAA document. Uh, how are you feeling, Carl? Where's your confidence level of making it through the season without a disruption? I'm optimistic. I think uh, I think we have good plans in place. I really do. Um, you know, we've had success this summer. Granted, we haven't had the volume of people that we're going to have this winter. But I think between um, our protocols in place, we've also worked with the local community. Uh, we have a little tagline that we're talking don't. Don't be the reason we end our season. I didn't make that up, but uh, I kind of stole it from somebody, but Good. I think it's great. Um, and working with them, we have, we're have we going to have a pledge that they follow, you know, sanitation, gu- I mean, um, guidelines as well as we, you know, what we are, because when people come up, they don't know the difference a lot of times between some of the restaurants here and our restaurants. We want to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, and then we've done a lot with our employees, and we're going to be rolling out a bunch of communication for our pass holders and guests. So, how are you feeling about Reggae Fest, Carl? You think it's going to happen? I think so. You know, I'm an optimist. <laughs> I, I just kind of hope that you know eventually this will be uh, will will you know go away or be under control or vaccines and so forth, and we'll get back to some sort of normality. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be the same as it was. It never is, but. Uh, I'm optimistic. Um, that's, you know, maybe that's just me. I'm a half full glass guy. 
I, I think we all are feeling at this point, it, at least the snow is coming, right? And so at least we'll be skiing. And if we can't do all the other stuff that goes along with that, fine. At least we can get out there, get outside, feel that sensation again. Um, and, and I just, it just seems like we've all, we're just in a different place than we were in March. We just know a lot more as a society, as, as businesses, as individuals. So if we're just smart, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I feel good about it. I feel like, like we can have a good season. Um, I, I do want to talk about Sugarloaf 2030 and we spent the majority of our last conversation talking about it, but I just wanted to check in, uh, you know, like I said, we talked on March 11th and, and you had a whole roadmap laid out. Are there any major changes to that plan, either in substance or as far as the timeline goes from what we talked about in March? Um, no, we're, we're, we're moving forward with it. Um, you know, we're t- the West Mountain expansion, which we talked about quite a bit. Um, we're, we're going forward with doing the permitting and all the engineering work on that. So that's exciting. I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing that's happened here in 40 years or more. Um, so, you know, uh, all the other plans were going ahead on it. And, and, you know, what's great about, you know, being part of Boeing is they have a awesome plan, you know, corporate wide for all the resorts to have these, putting these plans in place and then executing them, um, which is really exciting. Um, and then working with, uh, the corporate team and Steve Kircher and then all the other GM on the resorts, we're all excited about the future in the next 10 years. Are you still thinking to break ground on that new chair next season on West Mountain? Um, next season, but probably the following summer is where we're looking at for the chair. We may start cutting trails and so forth, and you know we'll, we'll have the real estate development. Um, hopefully, we'll be selling lots by uh, sometime next spring or so. Um, and then that whole thing will just keep going. But we're looking at probably installing the chair the following summer. So summer 2022? Right. Yep. Okay. Okay. So Sugarloaf doesn't currently have any bubbles or enclosed lifts. Uh, you were considering a bubble for West Mountain Chair. Has COVID influenced how you're thinking about that chair and what may ultimately go there? Well, we're still looking at uh, bubbles. Um, again, going back to, you know, part of our unfortunate reputation is we're cold and windy. So that, that would help um, on, on that part of it. The COVID aspect, yes, I mean, the, the bubbles don't have to be down. Um, if we're still in COVID and by 2022, that uh, we'll, we'll have to deal with that as well. But going forward with some of our other lifts, we are looking at ways of, um, you know, adding comfort to our gas and bubbles do do that. So we'll continue looking at that and with future lifts and and going forward. Is there anything that you were hoping to get done this summer that you ultimately had to push because of COVID? Not really. I mean, most of the plans we have for our capital, we, we've gone forward with all that. Um, timing a little bit because we did have we did uh, have uh, people uh, who didn't start work right away. Uh, you know, we, we closed down until mid-June. So, but we were been able to catch up on most of that, and then some of the other things we had to do this summer, which is COVID-related things and uh, protocols in the base lodges and around. So that's taken some time as well. But I think we're in good shape. And right down the road from you, Saddleback looking really good. Uh, that new lift is going up. Um, we talked a little bit about Saddleback last time. The whole thing is really coming together now. How good is it for Maine skiing, Carl, to have Saddleback back up and running? I think it's great. Um, 
you know, you don't want to resort that size to ever not run. It's not good for the ski industry, especially the ski industry in Maine. So I think we're all excited. They're they're part of Ski Maine, so they're they're back in the fold, and you know we're we're working with them, and they're working with us, and so I think it's all it's all great. Yeah, I've got Andy Shepard scheduled on the podcast in a couple months, uh, just a little bit before they're scheduled to open. So I'm excited about that to see how they're doing and how they how they pulled it off because the the place was deteriorating pretty badly at one point, and, and they really pulled it together. Well, I think it's great for the Rangeley community too. Um, and then, you know, they're going to have a challenge opening in this year, obviously, with the COVID. Um, so, you know, we're all we're all helping them as best we can. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I'd be interested to see what he's going to say about all that. I mean, that's this is a challenging year to open up. But um, there's a lot of passionate uh, saddleback skiers. Um, and I know that that community is very excited about that mountain reopening. Yeah, it's amazing they were able to do it. Did you get a chance to get over there this summer? I, I stuck my head in. Um, I didn't. I didn't uh, when they first started doing the lifts and so forth. Um, but I was on my way to go swimming, <laughs> boating in the Rangeley area, which is beautiful. Uh, so I didn't stay very long. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I talked to Andy a number of times. He's been in. All, uh, a lot of our calls with Ski Maine, you know, talking about COVID and protocols and so forth. So I've had an opportunity to discuss a number of things with him. So Saddleback's been shut for about five winters now. Just curious, when that mountain shut down, did a lot of their pass holders start coming over to Sugarloaf? You know, we didn't see a noticeable difference um, or uptake. Um, we in um, And then this, this uh, spring, too, when we put our – Passes on sale, um, you know, it's still been pretty strong. So, no, I haven't really seen that. I think, you know, a lot of those people that were at Saddleback obviously were trickle-off skiers, and they'd ski both mountains. But I, I think they skied other mountains as well uh, around um, uh, around the, around Maine. So uh, um, it, it would be interesting to see how that will affect us. But we didn't notice it when they, when they first shut down. All right, Carl. Well, I uh... – I can't thank you enough for taking the time again to talk to me. And, and you've been so generous with your time showing me around the resort and everything else when I was up there. Uh, so thank you for doing a second call to wrap this up, but it just didn't feel right to leave it where we did when we did. So I really wanted to check in with you and just see how you managed to work it all this summer, because I realized it was so much and you had so much to do, but, but it's got to feel good getting close to it. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I it's always pleasure to talk to you and you got to come up and ski again and and hopefully nothing will happen in the next week or two after we talk this time but uh yeah thanks thanks for inviting me back um really enjoyed it and um you know let's look looking forward to a good season and uh getting through this and uh getting back to some sort of normal but uh um i i'm just i'm looking forward to it like you are you get this time of year you're itching to go skiing so uh Hopefully the snow will fly soon. That's Carl Strand, President and General Manager of Sugarloaf, Maine. Really cannot thank that guy enough for doing two interviews and for showing me around the resort when I was up there in March. Just a really gracious guy and a great leader for that mountain. And thank you all for listening. We have lots more podcasts like that coming in no particular order. We have conversations booked this fall with leaders from Stratton, Cannon, J. Peak, 
Sugarbush, Mount Snow, Saddleback, and more. Please subscribe to the free Storm Skiing newsletter at skiing.substack.com to hear those interviews as soon as they are live. There's lots more coming out of the storm as well. Stay well, stay safe. I'm Stuart Winchester, and I'll talk to you again very soon. The Storm Skiing Podcast is a Quicksilver Films production.